The medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. Before we get into the show today, I've got a question for you. When you think about, and I'm using air quotes here, business, what is it that comes to mind for you? I suspect you might have just had a visceral reaction just from hearing the word. Anyway, chew on this, and later in the show, I've got a little Chinese lesson that might help you to expand your definition of business. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. 
Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Everybody, welcome back to Geological. I am really thrilled today to be bringing you a show live on tape from Nanjing, China. I am here today with Dr. Huang Huang and some of his uh, doctoral students at the International Jingfang Institute of Nanjing University of Chinese Medicine, and we're going to have a little discussion about Dr. Huang's methods. And get some of his history, and bring you some of his latest thinking on using the classic formulas, the Jingfang, in Chinese medicine. I'm joined today, first of all, by Dan Eng, who is helping me with translation today. Dan, welcome. Good to have you here. Thanks. And there's also around Evan and Mark Gearing. Those of you that are frequent listeners to Geological will recognize those names because these two characters have been on the show before. So here we are with Dr. Huang.、Uh, this show is primarily going to be done in English, although of course we're going to have to do some translation back and forth. So please bear with us through some of the Chinese. I'm going to edit it as best as I can to make it as Englishy as possible. And please enjoy the show with Dr. Huang. Huang 教授，真的很高兴回来看你。对呀，我老在想，我说老麦怎么不见人影？这么多年了。因为在美国我太忙，给人看病，对不起。这最重要的，做中医看病是最重要的。是的，是的 ，Yeah。你你在读硕士的时候，你的论文是不是跟蒙克派有有关系？是不是？是的。I know that you did your master's thesis on the Mengke group, and I'm wondering what the influence of the thesis and the influence of your study of the Mengke doctors has been. On your thinking and on your practice. My master's thesis is on the Mengheian group and their growth. His master's thesis was on the Mengheian current, the establishment and the development of the Mengheian Mengheian current, and it gave him a very deep impression. And one of the main things was that these Mengheian doctors were not just people who wrote books; they were very clinically oriented.、Um, so. It 
really one of the main impressions that it gave him was that it taught him that researching Chinese medicine is not just about you know theoretic theoretical and academic things, but it really has to you know clinic is what comes first. 这一带农村，而且农村的一批。So they were in the the southern part of of Jiangsu Province. They were uh, these Mengha doctors. They they knew how to do, you know, they were generalists. So they knew how to do internal medicine, waiko, I would roughly translate as surgery and dermatology. They knew how to do, you know, the throat diseases and all kinds of different things. They knew how to do acupuncture too. Um, so they, they, were, they were really generalists. So they would see a lot of patients in a day and they had to be really practical because efficacy was their bread and butter. So only if, only if you can really you know, see patients effectively, treat patients effectively, um, can you really be a good Chinese medicine doctor. 这就是对我影响最大的一个一个一个一个观念。So that is the main thing that uh, that the Mengha doctors uh, influenced him with is this idea that clinic is number one, and so Dr. Huang says he is a primarily a clinic a clinician. So correct me if I'm wrong in this, but it sounds like what you're saying is that our clinic. And our patients are really our greatest teachers. No. 对，呃，这个在临床上，病人就是我们的老师，我们的很多的经验都是病人告诉我们的。That's right. You know, our our patients are very important teachers, and you know, a lot of our experience is learned from our patients. My experience has been in the beginning with studying Chinese medicine that there's some things that we learn, and it helps us to get started. It gives us it gives us a place to begin, but very often we learn by the things that we do wrong. Sometimes in English we like to say things like "getting it wrong is part of getting it right." And so, in the process of becoming a good practitioner, we have to become comfortable with being wrong about what we do, and then we have to learn from our mistakes and learn to improve them. My question is, how can we, in the midst of a moment of being wrong and maybe feeling very anxious about it, still be able to keep our wits about us so that we can learn the lessons that we need to learn from our patients. So all of us run into that, that issue sometimes. Um, we always you know, whether it's a complex disease that we're treating or, you know, the patient comes back in the second time, the second visit, and it turns out that what we did, it didn't work or there was a bad result, then we can feel nervous. Um, but what we have to do is we have to keep trying and keep, uh, you know, keep trying to learn from that. You know, each patient, Dr. Huang believes, is, is a new topic in our learning. So uh, every single patient that comes in the door is completely new for us. Um, so we need to research and we need to keep the spirit of always researching and learning from these experiences. Uh, he's suggesting two, exper uh, two methods that we could use to kind of try to learn more about 
situations like this that are difficult, uh, clinical situations that are difficult. One of them is we can read cases, uh, reading case studies from previous doctors, famous doctors. And the more we read, we might find some that have connections to these cases that we're seeing ourselves in clinic. Um, and that can be very useful and give us some kind of new ideas what to do. Uh, the second suggestion that he has is you can talk to colleagues and teachers, especially colleagues and teachers that are experienced, and they can offer you ideas as well, and maybe you haven't thought of them. So, he believes that studying case studies is very important in studying Chinese medicine. Dr. Huang himself, in the past, he's copied numerous case studies. He, he would copy them down from famous doctors, from his teachers. He even copied his own case studies. Um, and he thinks that everyone in Chinese medicine should be studying case studies. It's a traditional method of studying Chinese medicine. It's a very important one. So this comes back to the idea that you can't you can't get away from the fact that the medicine is primarily clinical in nature. So you can't leave the clinic. Cases are clinical, you know, by definition. I just had something to say on that topic of focusing on clinic. My impression, like with studying with Dr. Wang, there's many different ways to study Jing Feng, but when we're when we're studying Feng Zhen, the formula pattern and Yao Zheng, the herb pattern, the diagnosis is already the treatment. So once we've established um, a clear formula pattern, that's already the treatment. We already know which direction we're going to go in, in that sense. And that's so it's very, versus there's some, there's many different ways, as I said, like many different theories out there. So it's sort of, uh, for me, like doing that cuts through a lot of the theory to make it very um, easily um, applicable. Yeah. Uh, so, Feng uh, Zheng, or formula presentation, is... Uh, it comes from a bunch of cases, basically. Um, so there's clinical cases, and if you study enough of them, then you find common characteristics among those cases, and that can be put together into a formula presentation. Um, that's, that's really what a formula presentation is. It comes from these cases. And he believes that the Shanghan Lun is actually, you could look at it as a case study book. So even though the case studies in there, they're kind of written in all different kinds of ways, uh, but it's really, you know, a, basically a bunch of clinical experiences in a book. Uh, Dr. Huang, I was wondering if uh, you've been working on any new formula families or formula categories. Huang老师，我想知道如果呃最近你有呃那个新的类方。So, when he wrote the 10 key formula families, 
Uh, there were 10 formula families that he mentioned. It was Chaihu, Guizhou, Mahuang, Huangqi, Shigao, Fuzi, Ganjiang, Banxia, Dahuang, and Huanglian. And since then, that was around 1995, and it's been more than 20 years already. So there are, of course, a bunch of new ones that he's kind of thought of or developed. And he gave some examples. So there's Gansao formula family could include formulas like Gansao Xiexintang, Zhigansao Tang, Ganmai Daozao Tang. Gugan formula family could include formulas like Gugan Tang, Gugan Qinlian Tang, Guizhijia Gugan Tang. And Dangwei formula family could have Dangwei Xiaoyao San, Dangwei San, Dangwei Sini Tang, etc. He also mentioned a Dihuang formula family. So back in the day when he was just kind of developing his his thoughts about Chinese medicine, his his thoughts were not as as refined as they are now, because it's been a long time. They were kind of coarse and kind of unrefined a little bit, and now they're kind of more refined. Uh, but his, his, his basic model of thinking about Chinese medicine is still relevant, and that is... So his basic uh, way of thinking about Chinese medicine is still relevant, and that can be kind of summed up in a triangle of formula... Uh, disease and the person, the three aspects of, of looking at things. So the, the 10 Key Formula Families book from a long time ago, it has sold quite a, a lot of copies by now. It's been reprinted a bunch of times. And originally he wanted to revise it. But then he decided he's just going to keep it the same. It's He's going to keep it the same and... His new ideas will go into new books, uh, so they have they have a bunch of new books now. And one of the ones he in, that he mentioned uh, that that I guess they're working on is uh, is called uh, Jingfang Formula Presentation Textbook, and it goes a lot deeper and into formula presentations, and it's a lot more refined uh, in what it covers. In, because he's still getting better and better, you know, every day he's he's always researching and learning and getting better himself. So Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel clearing impedance in the free flow of yang qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video 
from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Dr. Wong, some of us that have studied with you are familiar with this triangle of person, illness, and formula. For those who might be new to your work, or listening to this podcast for the first time and hearing about your methods, could you explain a little bit about this triangle? When he's a clinic, he looks at things from three points. It's the formula, the disease, and the person. And these are things that are they're not abstract. They're real things um, that have a basis in reality. And they're also relatively objective, and they're relatively distinct from each other. So we can talk about them in kind of and think about them in clear ways. The first thing is formulas. So what does formula mean? It basically mostly refers to classical formulas uh, like Guizhitang. And the classical formula is kind of in their original form. So the, the ingredients, for example, Guizhitang, if you take one out, then it's a different formula. Um, if you modify the dosages, then it's a different formula. He gave a couple examples. The one that I remember is Xiaojianzhongtang. Uh, if, you, if you increase the dose of Xiaoyao in the formula, then it's not Guizhitang anymore, it's Xiaojianzhongtang. When he talks about formulas, he's talking about the original formulas, not, not something that's been modified in some way. So it's a very clear idea of what a formula is. So then we come to the second point, which is disease. Uh, so a disease is an important concept when, with regard to diagnosis. Diseases can mean ancient diseases, so diseases as defined in ancient times, so that might include like deficiency taxation or blood impediments, um, water amassment, blood amassment, these kinds of traditional terms. But from a modern clinical perspective, what we see more of usually is uh, modern disease categories. So like diabetes, hypertension, uh, heart, heart attack, uh, heart failure, Hashimoto's, those are the ones he mentioned. Um, so what he's interested in, in in is what formulas can treat this disease or what diseases can be treated by a certain formula. He's interested in the, in the relationship between formula and disease. Uh, so a lot of people just stop there when it comes to, to diagnosing. They want to know, you know, what what formulas can treat a specific disease, and then that's it. But we want to go a step further, and that brings us to the third point, which is the person. So what this means is, what kind of person can this formula treat? Or what kind of formulas can treat this type of person? So this is very important. So Dr. Huang has come up with the idea of the formula person, which means, uh, it basically means, you know, what kind of person can a specific formula treat? So as far as determining what kind of person we're looking at, this is, 
He's referring to things that we can actually see with our eyes and actually feel with our hands, so objective things. Is this person fat or thin? Is the person tall or short? Is the person dark-complexioned or light-complexioned? Uh, are their muscles developed or are they atrophied? Is the, is the spirit you know, excited or kind of subdued? You know, is the face sallow and withered kind of, or, or is it bright red? And when we, we also have to feel the abdomen, is the belly, is it big is it, or is it thin and flat? Is the pulse floating or sinking? Um, we also pay attention to the person's past disease history and also their family history of diseases. And we want to get a sense of what symptoms do they get easily? Like if they're exposed to cold or wind, what happens to them? What foods do they like? What foods do they react to? What's their sleep like? What are their bowels like? And, and through the four pillars of diagnosis, the, the uh, visual observation, listening and smelling, uh, questioning and palpating, we take all that information together and then we kind of paint a picture of a person. In this triangle of uh, formula, disease and person, we've mostly described two relationships, the relationship between formula and disease and the relationship between formula and person. Uh, the relationship between formula and disease, it mainly tells us, is this going to be an effective treatment and is it going to be effective very quickly? The relationship between the formula and the person mainly tells us, is this going to be safe? And also, is it going to be very precise? So those two relationships, the relationship between the formula and the disease and the relationship between the formula and the person are two very important uh, parts of Dr. Huang's thinking. We're going to take a little break for a moment. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast conversation and already gleaned something useful from it. So back for a moment to this thing about business and how you define it. You know, how you define something profoundly colors how you view it. In Chinese, the word for business is made up of two characters, sheng yi. Sheng means to create, like the sheng cycle of the five elements. Yi means meaning. It's made up of the characters for sound and heart. It's the same yi as the spirit of the spleen, and it's also often translated as significance. Sheng yi means business, but you can also read it as making meaning or creating something of significance. So the next time you have your tail in a knot about business issues, consider that your task is to create deeper meaning in your work or generate something of significance. So in that triangle, there's still one relationship that we haven't talked about yet, and that's what's the relationship between the disease and the person. So that means what kind of person could easily get this disease, or what kind of diseases could this person easily get? Uh, so that's an important subject of research as well. Dr. Huang is researching it. He's still learning more about it. Um, he's researched more the first two relationships between the, the, uh, the ones that we just talked about, between the um, formula and the disease and the formula and the person. Uh, but this third relationship between the disease and the person is also very important. We need to learn more about it. Uh, so, as you may have noticed, 
these three things, the formula, the disease, and the person, they're all real things with you know, basis in actual reality. We can see them, we can feel them, they're objective. So his triangle of the formula, the disease, and the person, it emphasizes the objectivity of the information that we're talking about. So for example, the, the formula, we're not talking about methods in Chinese medicine. For example, like uh, strengthening the spleen or tonifying qi or tonifying the kidneys. We're not talking about methods like that, which are kind of, you know, different people might have different interpretations of what that actually means when it comes to, to clinic. The formula in this triangle, it actually means something that you can see. It's a bowl of medicine in front of us, or it's a, you know, it's a bottle of medicine, something like that. So it's something, you know, actually has a basis in reality. The, the disease also, it has to be something that is not too vague. So for example, like AIDS or diabetes or something like that, there, there's internationally recognized standards of diagnosis for these things. So it's relatively, you know, it's, it's recognized widely. And if you say that in, if you say the name of some disease in Japan or in the U.S. or somewhere else, then it doesn't matter where you in the, are in the world, then people know what you're talking about. Um, it's not something like kidney deficiency, where every person might have a slightly different idea about what that actually means. So some people, when you say kidney deficiency, they might think of hair loss and low back pain, or somebody else might think of poor sexual function. So it means kind of different things to different people. And then for people also, you know, the, the third part of the triangle, the person, like he already mentioned, it's, it's things, it's characteristics of the person that are objective and easily recognizable. Like is the person fat or thin, you know, dark or, or light or, you know, et cetera. Objective things. 那麼我這裡還要說明一下,有人說,那麼經方中間非常強調的一個一個原則,資料的原則叫做方正相應。So in in the study of classical formulas, there's an important concept that's called the correspondence between the formula and the presentation. And the formula presentation when you take those two words, formula and presentation, some people ask Dr. Huang, well, you've talked about formulas, why don't you talk about the presentation? Because he hasn't mentioned uh, that as a concept yet. Well, he just explained that if we take this triangle and we take, if formulas is at the top of the triangle and disease and person are the two lower corners of the triangle, if we take those two lower corners and we squish them together into one, that means taking disease and person and kind of squish them together into one concept. Together, those things make up the presentation. Therefore, his his philosophy also fits with this concept, this traditional concept of formula presentation correspondence. Um, so th this presentation is objective. It means what proof do you have, you know, in clinic? Um, what kind of person is it? What kind of disease is it? So, for example, with Guizhitang, um, the Guizhitang person, and you know the the list of Guizhitang diseases. It's not just one disease that Guizhitang can treat. It's a bunch of them. So he has a concept called. I'm not sure exactly how to translate this, but the the uh, it's like a a map or like a chart of diseases that belong to any particular formula. It's like a chart or a map or something that tells you, once you look at it, you can see what kinds of diseases in general can this formula treat. 
in recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Just a few moments ago, you were talking about that you're still researching. You're still doing some research and some exploration on the relationship between person and disease. And one of the things that we hear a lot about in the West, I'm not sure if this is true in China, so I'd like to ask you, but one of the things we talk about a lot in the West is that the emotions often play a very big role in the ways that people get sick or the kinds of illnesses people get sometimes. Uh, So, yes, absolutely, they're related. A person is a living thing. It's a person has moods, and a person, you know, has has their their own personal psychology. So that's a main point of ours in clinic is is looking at that relationship between the mood and 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 what's going on with the person uh, as far as their health. So he gave an example of the formula da chai hu tang. Uh, the da chai hu tang person is typically they have a bad temper. They're easily angered. They're very tense. Their abdomen is tense, and you know they might be tense psychologically too. They might easily get kind of wound up about things. So, and then when they take da chai tang, da chai hu tang, the formula, they often feel more relaxed. He gave another example of the formula Pancha Hopatang. So that's this person is tends to be kind of a hypochondriac. They always are thinking, do I have this disease or do I have that disease? They might complain of something in their throat or they might complain of some feeling on their skin, like their skin might be uh, itchy or or numb or something, or they might have kind of some you know gas in their abdomen or something, and they have all these different complaints, but when you do tests on them, nothing comes back positive. Like they're, they're you know, on paper, they're fine. A lot of times with this person, uh, it's it's Bancha So this is not to say that there's 
necessarily like a one-to-one relationship between certain types of moods and certain formulas. It's more complex than that. Uh, you have to look at the person. So he gave an example of anxiety. So anxiety being one you know, category of, of psychological issues. If it's a Chai Hu person, or if it's a Ban Cha person, or it's a Gui person, or a Da Huang person, they might all take different formulas for, for their, their anxiety, even though the anxiety itself might be similar. Uh, so, for example, a Chai Hu person might take Chai Hu Guizhi Gan Jiang Tang for anxiety. A Ban Cha person might take Ban Cha Hopa Tang or Wen Dan Tang. A Guizhi person might take Guizhi Jia Long Gu Mu Li Tang. And a Da Huang person, you might give them San Huang Xie Xin Tang. So, Michael and I were discussing this question recently, and it's, it's basically there's two parts. Firstly, it's been many years since you've written the Shida Lei Fang, the 10 key formula families. What are some of the things that you believe about Chinese medicine now that you don't that you did not believe ten years ago, and also how has your view of using formulas and treating disease changed over these last twenty years? Well, first of all, he answered the question as as saying that. As far as the big things go, the big ideas that he has about Chinese medicine, the main directions of his thought, there haven't been that many big changes. Um, and he also mentioned that that Chinese medicine is also like a life experience. Uh, it's like a like a lifestyle culture uh, for Chinese people. For example, when you know when they get headaches, they might take certain formulas like Ma Huang Fu Zixin Tang or or Gogen Tang. It's it's a it's an experience of the Chinese people, you know that people know about. There's also the, you know, the habits the Chinese people have of taking you know, tonic medicines, like tonic herbal medicines, like they have these things called galzifang, which are like tonic jelly type things. And drinking hot water and not drinking cold water is also like a Chinese cultural thing that has to do, you know, it's based on Chinese people's experience and, and has a cultural element. Um, he also mentioned that there's differences in this. Like, for example, Mongolian people might think that drinking drinking milk tea is is healthy for you. And then Southerners might think that uh, drinking cool tea is, is healthy for you. Um, it's, it's like a lifestyle culture. So the reason he brought that up is he has two, two fervent hopes for Chinese medicine. And you know, as time goes on, he's more and more passionate about the passionate about these two things. The first one is he wants TCM to become something not just for Chinese people in Chinese culture, but he wants it to go worldwide. So he wants it to be relevant to people all over the world. He wants it to be you know, kind of more widespread. So he wants his, his classes and his books to be translated into as many uh, languages as possible. He wants everyone to be able to understand. His second hope, which is uh, he's equally passionate about and more and more passionate as as every day goes by, is that he wants Chinese medicine to be systematic or uh, yes, yeah, standardized. Yeah, yeah, standard, standardized. Um, otherwise, it can't really go worldwide like he's hoping. And along with that hope of of DCM becoming standardized is that goes along with classical prescriptions that are standardized. So Jingfang. 
所以金方的这个金啊，金方的金啊，它就是标准的意思。So the word 金方 classical formulas or classical prescriptions. The first word of that jing, it means standard, or you know, one of the ways of looking at it, it means standard or standardized. It doesn't just mean the classics、uh, in terms of like being specific books, but it means standardized because these formulas are standardized; they're well known. So he he now prefers to use the word jingfang in in Chinese, you know, J I N G F A N G, instead of saying in English classical formulas. Because then we can really get the meaning, and it also that's a way of standardizing the term. Standardize it in Chinese as Jingfang, and not call it all different things. So, in summary, his two hopes for the medicine is that it becomes world, it goes worldwide, and that it becomes standard, standardized. Just just to clarify that as a follow up, it's like、um, observing Dr. Wang over ten years or so. It seems every year he gets better and better, and he's always learning from his、um, experience, as he mentioned before. But I also find that his diagnosis, his diagnosis, and his treatment gets more and more refined as well. So, for example, where previously he might have used a bigger formula like Jingjielianchatang, he might now use Huangchintang. So it's a much smaller formula. So it's like his formula is becoming smaller and smaller, smaller. And more precise. 以前我们所认识到的金剑莲茶汤证，这个中间其实有些药是不需要用的，确实只要用。That's that's partially true. His his view of it is that you know with the Huangqingtang is that before、uh, you know many years ago before he had fully researched Huangqingtang, his view of Huangqingtang was not as broad as as it is now. And more recently, he's kind of learned more things about that formula presentation, and he, he realized that for some patients, all of, all of those herbs in Jingjielian Chaotang, the bigger formula,、uh, some of them weren't necessary in some cases. So yeah, some of them became Huangqingtang patients. He believes that you know he's he's going in a direction of using more original formulas, you no know, unmodified formulas, and smaller formulas, and getting closer closer and closer to the way that. Uh, Zhang Zhongjing would have used herbs in the past. He also started out, just like most people, using kind of miscellaneous formulas or you know late formulas from later later doctors, and and using theories like starting starting with theory、uh, before prescribing medicines. So starting starting to think about things、uh, using theory first, and and then. That going to the methods is a traditional way of thinking in, in that the way that they teach TCM these days. So he started out that way, and then he moved gradually more and more towards the direction of using original, unmodified formulas, standardized formulas. Huang Chen Shuo, I I very much thank you for taking time to talk with us today. I have another question I want to ask you. I think many people say they want health, they want health. 可是好多人说要健康，可是健康到底是什么？我想听你的想法。Wang Jiaoshou, thank you so much for taking some time today to talk with us. I've got just one more question before we close down here today.、I'd、like to know your ideas, your thoughts on what health is. What does it mean to be healthy? 健康就是没有病，没有疾病。那么这个真就问题又来了，什么是疾病？ So health means you don't have disease. So 
that brings us to the question, what is disease? Disease, in his view, is suffering. If you can eat well, you can sleep, you can work, you can laugh, you have good social relationships, you can achieve your goals, that's health. Um, health is not, or he, he often likes to say, life is not, life is a feeling. It's not a number. So health, his kind of summary of all this is health means you're comfortable. You can eat comfortably, you can sleep comfortably, etc. So Jingfang is to make people comfortable. That's the goal of, of, of what we do. Huang Jiaoshou, Shishini Jintian Lai, Geological, Gun Woman Tan. Dr. Huang, thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome, and he hopes that everyone can learn Jingfang well, use Jingfang well, and he wants everyone to know that Jingfang is not something that belongs only to the Chinese people, it belongs to the whole world. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.